everyone. Good evening and welcome to Top Tip Tuesday on Instagram Live. It's Charlotte here. Oh, let me just arrange my camera behind me so it's a bit more in view. And we'll just wait for everyone to come in. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Hi, David. Thank you for joining. Let's move that. And hope you are you have all having are all having a great week so far and feeling good on your parenting journey how are you feeling as a parent how are your children doing this week you can share in the chat how you're doing how you're feeling before we get started let me give people a wave Hi there, everyone who's joining, oh goodness, my wave isn't working. Um, this evening we are going to be talking about, um, this is part four of our series on the Montessori sensitive periods, starting at the beginning of Ramadan, um, Ramadan Karim to everyone celebrating, starting at the beginning of Ramadan, um, we embarked upon a six part series on the Montessori sensitive periods. So the Montessori sensitive, the original sensitive periods that Dr. Montessori identified, and they have been expanded since then by other authors, but the original um, uh, sensitive periods that Dr. Montessori um, defined in her early work um, were the sensitivity to movement, to um, refinement of the senses, to language, to order, to um, small objects, and to the social aspects of life. And the social aspects of life is what we are going to be covering this evening. We've already done um, language, movement, and order, and you can find all of those on um, those pre those recordings from previous weeks in here on IGTV. You can find them on YouTube. You can find them on Spotify and iTunes. So you can go and listen to them, or you can watch. Um, them whenever you like. So those were the first three in our series and this is the fourth. So the sensitivity to the social aspects of life. Um, as I said, this is one of Dr. Montessori's original sensitive periods that she identified. A sensitive period is a window of opportunity of learning. When um, a child's uh, attention is heightened, um, they want to learn about these things and uh, whatever that is at that time. Um, it's I'm sorry, want isn't the right word. There's a there's a need, there's an inner drive to learn unconsciously, mostly in this stage. And it's a yeah, it's an unconscious need, an unconscious drive, and um, that's the first thing to say about sensitive period. And they learn the most um, easily. This unconscious absorption, um, it's all learnt um, easily, effortlessly. Like for example, a really good example is language. So for example. Um, Every child around the world, regardless of um, language or culture or religion or anything, says their first intentional word around the age of one. And around the age of two, they start to speak more fluently. All children around the world start to speak more fluently. So that's an example of unconscious learning and it's an absolute drive, the need to communicate. And this is the same with what we're talking about this evening, the social aspects of life. So the sensitive period for the social aspects of life it starts to appear from the age of two onwards, different in different children, but from the age of two onwards. 
And um, this corresponds really um, beautifully in a Montessori context, a Montessori classroom context, because usually children will start going to CASA, which is a larger community, a larger environment, around the age of two and a half to three, according to their emotional maturity and things like that. So um, the child becomes um, sensitive to the social aspects of life around the age of two, two and a half, moving towards three. And that means, in essence, that they want to be... Um, before, let's expect, zoom out and explore it from a different angle. So before, you've seen children and uh, babies and toddlers playing. And generally, it's parallel play. It looks as if they're playing together, but it's actually they're playing alongside each other, or babies, they engage in a lot of solitary play. The big shift that comes in this sensitive period is that children actively start to seek to play with each other. Gradually, they start to learn how to cooperate. And that is a very, and I want to emphasize the word gradually, because this is a process that takes a... Um, a good few years of development to be able to learn to um, collaborate, to learn to be able to cooperate with others, to be able to, um, they're literally learning social norms, they're learning um, how to be in this world, they're learning about um, manners, and in Montessori we call it grace and courtesy, so in the um, Montessori, hi Jenny, um, so in the Montessori classroom we call it grace and courtesy, and that's literally learning how to be with um, uh, with other um, adults but with other children in their community and so the grace and courtesy is um, you know learning to say excuse me or learning not to touch someone else's work or um, offering someone a drink or offering them a, um, to sit down all of those things sort of um, what we would call manners that's what it is in that's what grace and courtesy is in Montessori and um, I know what you're going to ask me next you're going to say so how how do children learn this? What do we what do we say? What do we do? And as with everything, but even more so with um, with the social aspects of life, they learn through our role modeling. They learn about this, the nuances of social interaction through us. Uh, that is their main influence. We are their role models, which is why so much importance is placed upon it in the Montessori classroom, the CASA classroom, age three to six. There's a huge amount of emphasis placed upon grace and courtesy because this is the foundation of how the child learns to be to live in community, to be um, a social being, to um, respect uh, other people's body boundaries, respect other people's space, um, respect uh, other people's work or respect their belongings. Um, all of that is part of grace and courtesy. And that's why so much importance is placed upon it. And it's the optimum time. When, remember, a, um, a, a sensitive period is an optimum window of opportunity for learning. So this is the time that we really want to pay attention to what we're role modeling because this is when our children really 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 pick it up um really good examples of this are so if a child bumps into another child or sorry if you bump into your child by accident or tread on their foot by accident or something like that that's a really good opportunity to make sure we um role model what um an aspect a respectful apology, a full respectful apology might be in that scenario. You know, just because they're a child, we don't want to brush it off because we've, cause we've trod on their foot. Do you know what I mean? So bumping into someone, um, offering them help. You know, if someone um, uh, says they're thirsty, it's 
offering them a glass of water, you know, all of those things, those social graces, as it were, they're so sensitive and they really, really want to learn. They learn everything through role modeling. And in CASA classrooms all around the world, the most beautiful thing that you'll see um, in, uh, I mean, probably not post-COVID times, but pre-COVID times, and I remember this so much when I um, did a lot of observation when I lived in South Africa, is that when you went in to observe and you were shown where to sit for the observation, one of the children in a CASA classroom would come up and offer you a glass of water or to ask you if you needed anything. And it was just so gorgeous to see it happening in real life because there's so much grace and courtesy that goes on. And they really feel that someone comes into their environment. They've learned that they want to look after somebody. Um, they want to look after guests. And more importantly, they know how to look after guests. They know what to do to help someone feel comfortable. Um, so that's uh, that's a really, a really, really sweet aspect that you'll see if you go and observe in a Montessori classroom. Um, what else did I want to say? So it's a stage where they start to play cooperatively. And yes, um, as I said, role modeling is really, really important. And particularly for, um, hello everyone who's joining, particularly for um, learning to play together and learning to cooperate with other children. The really important piece, the crucial piece in this is us as caregivers, as educators, as parents, um, to be really, really close in play situations because particularly between the ages of two and three, children are, um, they don't have, um, well, they're developing their impulse control. They have a lot of reflexes. They have a lot of reflexes for physical behavior, for you know pushing or hitting if another child is taking something. So we need to offer a lot of support at this age when they are in the really early stages of wanting to be social. So what will happen is they'll rush over to, I don't know, the sandpit in the playground or they'll rush over to the swing or they'll rush over to the grass where someone's playing football and they'll just pick up the football and run or they'll just take a toy out of another child's hand or they will um, push, <clears throat> try and push someone off the swing or pull their t-shirt to get them off the swing. So they want to be, hi Ivana, they want to be sociable and they want to go. So for the example of chasing off the football and pick it up and running away with it, they want to be involved in that game of football, but they don't yet have the communication skills and the um, social graces to be able to go over and explain what it is that they want to do. So what they'll do, they'll go and grab it, they'll go and snatch it. And that is exactly the same for all children of that age group. So we're really what we're doing is role modeling um, and staying really, really close in the playground situations. It's a lot of a really, really is a lot of support and really speaking out loud um, what is happening. Or if you know your child really well and you know that they um, are an absolute crazy, absolutely crazy about football. So you know that they are going to probably go and grab that football within 10 seconds. And you don't want to put them in a failure situation. So you can do some really lovely talking through what's going to happen. You can, you get to the playground and you scan, you know, what's going to happen. They want to go and jump in that red car or they're going to want to go and grab that ball. They're going to want to go on the swing. So it's a really, really good um, idea to set the scene. You know, as you get there, you arrive at the playground, taking your shoes off, whatever, and you're saying, oh, look, those two children on the swing, um, they're not available at the moment. Shall we go and go on the slide for a few minutes? Or those boys are playing with the football. Let's go over um, and watch them for a few moments. And um, maybe you'd like to join, ask if you'd like to join them in. Something like that. You know, so preempting that our child, because they don't have developed impulse control, they're going to want to go and um, dive straight in and get involved in that. But we can 
really set the scene for them and give them the words that you know as their parent um, or their caregiver because you know them really really well you know what's going to happen you know that they're not going to be hi summer you know that they're not going to be able to um express what they want so they'll probably go over and grab or snatch or what have you so in the playground in play dates um when you're doing activities with other children it's staying really 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 close and offering that support, verbalizing what you know is going on for your child, and um, and role modeling. You know, we don't uh, make our child ask to borrow the football. Um, you can talk through what you're going to say, and then you're going to do it, and then you're going to um, be with your child while they ask it. And you say, "I can ask for you. Let's go and ask for the football. I can do it for you if you like me to." Because at two, they're not going to be able to have the confidence necessarily to say that for themselves. So you don't want to force them or force them, force them to say something. We can just show them how to do it. We're going to, and we're going to need to repeat this thousands and thousands and thousands of times. But we are literally showing them how to be in the world. This sensitive period is awesome because it has such an impact on how our children can um, cooperate in the future, can collaborate in the future, how they can, you know, later on problem solve and com um, and resolve conflict later on in the future. Because they are seeing exactly what happens in different scenarios and they're going to need to try it out time and time and time and time again until they get the hang of it. But it's really very much, this is when we set the scene for, um, for grace and courtesy, for how they interact with the world, um, with others and, um, you know, being respectful and, um, how to look after each other's, how to, um, you know, play and, um, and sharing isn't possible. I don't mean sharing and that forcing them, but, you know, how do you interact? How do you say, how do you ask for something else that someone's playing with? You know, all of those type of things and then giving them those skills so that they can, um, you can sit with them while they develop those skills to wait, you know, to develop patience because there are going to be times that they're going to have to wait because another child is playing with something. And it's really being there and supporting them. So showing what it looks like, really role modeling what it looks like to be patient, really role modeling what it looks like to really, 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 really want something and to, um, you know, breathe through that or sing through it or talk through it or whatever, whatever works for your child. But this is the, the role modeling in this is really, really, really key. So in terms of, you know, as we said before, that um, children, uh, if we're looking at sensitive periods, children learn language um, and, and movement. They learn how to, no one has to teach them how to walk, how to crawl. They know how to do that. That's part of their innate um, path of human development and language language acquisition is going to happen as long as there's people around them speaking language acquisition is going to happen but this one the social aspects of life we can be really hi Laura this one we can be really intentional by the way that we interact with the world because that will be absorbed by them let me have a little sip of water and because we're such strong role models and I know you've all had this completely cringeworthy moment because I know I have with both of my children. We know that what we say to our children matters. Oh, sorry, what we say within earshot of our children matters when your child is doing pretend play and they're talking to a teddy or they're talking to an imaginary friend and they use a cross tone of voice that you have used and they are basically replaying out what you have said. 
um, to their teddies or in their pretend play. So the tone of voice that you that that you use when when that we use when we're feeling impatient is really really important, and they will pick up on that and they will start using that as well. And um, and it's one of those cringeworthy moments as a parent when your child is saying something they shouldn't or using a tone of voice so it doesn't sound respectful and you're like oh my goodness they sound like me um so it's all normal we're all human and we've all done it but that just really shows you it's it's funny those those moments that take us uh that kind of are a bit of a blow to our ego those are the ones that are really good teaching moment for us because we realize the power of what we say and we realize the power of role modeling um, and it's not to beat ourselves up, but we know what we say matters to our children. Um, what we say uh, is important and how we say it is really, really important. So um, role modeling is absolutely key in these social aspects of life. They're going to learn so much from the community they're in. They're going to learn so much from the, the home that they're in and how we speak to each other, how we um, resolve conflict, how we share things, how we take turns. Um, all of those are um really and how we look after the environment as well and things like that all of that is absorbed during this period um we can are ways that we can that we can really give um role modeling on how to be considerate um and to contribute and to support others and help others some really good examples of that are when you go to hold the door open for somebody or you help someone with a heavy bag, talk through to um, your children what you're doing. So you'd say, oh, that lady's got lots of heavy bags. Um, let's go and help her carry them to the lift or whatever it might be. So literally talk through what you're doing or, oh, that, that, um, that man is coming through with a pushchair. Let's wait and hold the door open for him as he comes through with his baby. You know, those type of things that we do naturally and we wouldn't say out loud. We don't even think of it because we're adults and we do these polite things, you know, by, you know, naturally now. But our children can really, really absorb that. So when you do those things like that, that you open a door, you help someone with a pushchair or with bags or something, um, make sure you say it out loud because then it's an it's a stronger imprint for our, for our child when they actually and they're learning the light bulb goes on. OK, this is what I do in this situation. I do it, um, I can do this. So they're seeing the action being done and they're hearing the words that make sense that can connect those dots. So that's a really powerful way of really emphasizing this, of, you know, being um, empathic, being supportive, contributing and caring for others. Um, so the role modeling is key. Does anyone have any questions? Um, the social aspects doesn't um, have as much meat as... Uh, you know, language and order and sense of movement as the other um, sensitive periods. And also it's worth knowing that this sensitive period runs from two onwards until the age of six. This is when they really, this element of being really, really considerate and contributing, um, this really, really is most powerful in this age because when they move into the older age, six to nine age group, it really moves into the um, being part of a group and what do I need to do to fit in? Whereas this stage, the three to six stage um, that Dr. Montessori identified as the sensitive period, is really how am I in the world? How can I be compassionate? How can I contribute? And that's all absorbed naturally. Whereas later, when they're really in the conscious mind, it's like, what do I need to do to be friends? What do I, what 
um, would happen if I do this? Would I be excluded if this happened? It's much more intentional, whereas this period that we're talking about is all unconscious absorption. That's a really important distinction to make and to know that this sensitive period, um, that if we are able to you know, role model these attributes, then it's going to stand them in really good stead for, for later on in their childhood and in adulthood, of course. Um, any questions before, so two, around the age of two to the age of six is when there's a sensitivity. Um, I didn't have any answers from anyone as to how you're doing this week, how you're feeling in your parenting, how are your children. Give me a catch up of how you're all doing and I'll do my recap. So. The sensitive period, number four in our series, is about social behaviours, the social aspects of life. So this is when children learn to play alongside each other. This is when they start to learn to cooperate and collaborate. This is when they start to develop um, true friendships and want to do things for um, uh, each other. This is when role modelling um, and um, helping others being empathic, contributing, all of these things are really, really powerful in this age. Um, uh, oh, Jenny sent a really, really good question. So yeah, this period is all about being social, learning how to be in a group, um, learning manners, um, and not it's not necessarily that they're not going to say please and thank you, you know, all the time in the right places and, and certainly not on demand. It's more about us role modeling it over and over again. So um, when uh, we can remember to show those courtesies and show that respect to other people, then over time our children are going to internalize that. Um, we don't want to force them to say please and please, say thank you and say sorry and all of those things because it just means it's for our adult needs, it's not for the child. Um, but what we can do is just role model, um, be the best version that we can be of ourselves and role model those qualities that we want in our child. We can be that person and then they will, um, they will follow our lead. Um, so I've had two great comments here. One from Jenny, which is what does, um, what does one do, I think that is, when a child acts inappropriately, say, using bad language to get a reaction? Oh, yes, Jenny, that's a really, really good, um, that's a really, really good question. So what do we do when a child um, acts inappropriately um, to get a reaction? What, um, Jenny, roughly what's the age of the child? Um, if we're talking about a four or a five-year-old, it's when they're really playing with language and they know that those rude words would really, really get a reaction. Um, and if they're four or five, then once they've got them, they're going to stick with them and it's really hard to get rid of them. So what I, um, what I do and I need to do actually with my son at the moment. Um, hi, Indra. Hi, everyone who's joining. Um, is that when they, they've picked up this inappropriate language, depending on the age, if it's a two or a three-year-old, then they will forget about it. But if it's a four or five-year-old, because they're so interested in language um, and they realise that these words have shock value and they're going to say it over and over again because of the reaction of other people. 
but for a four and a five-year-old, it's something that you can talk through with them and you can talk about how inappropriate the language is and you can talk about how um, the way I say to Olivia and Harry is um, those are words that make people feel uncomfortable. Um, and don't try to stop them from saying it, but um, create conditions when they can say it so that the shock... Um, yes, Jenny's just replied, age five. So what we want to do is remove the shock value because a four or five-year-old knows exactly the power of those words and is is doing, get it to, as you say, to get a reaction for the shock value. So what we want to do, and this is a bit of a crazy idea, okay, but we, what we want to do is remove the shock value from it. Um, and what I did with Olivia and Harry a couple of years ago when Olivia went through this stage is that I said, okay, we're going to have a swearing ceremony and... Um, I talked about how uh, the, those words are unpleasant and they make people feel uncomfortable. So we're not, we can't say them out in public because they make people feel uncomfortable and they're unpleasant. Um, so I said, what we're going to do, we're going to close all the doors and windows at home and I'm going to set the sand timer for two minutes and then you can say or shout or sing those inappropriate words, those unpleasant words, as much as you like, get them out of your body, say them as much as you like over and over and over and over again. Obviously, they find this completely hilarious, and this is all about building a new memory, you know, building, putting a new imprint around this word. So you've got to um, encourage them to say it over and over and over and over again to get it out of their body and say to them, you need to get this out of your body because it's not something that we say. Get it out of your body, release it from your body, get it out, get it out, get it out. Um, and that's really, really fun, and it's really, really funny, and it's such a great way of connecting with your children as well, because you're just removing taboo, and we're removing this hierarchy of, um, you know, you did something bad, and, and all that all that messiness around the, you know, when a child does something wrong, and we want to change their behavior. So do that, close the windows and doors, get them to say it for as much as they like, much as they like. Then afterwards, you're going to say, okay, we are going to need to find some new words. So whenever you want to say that word, let's make up some really, really, really silly words that you can say instead. And then you can write gobbledygook words. You can say, okay, think of, let's think of some silly words that you can say. Again, you're bringing fun and laughter and playfulness into it. Um, a memory uh, that is attached to laughter is really, really, really powerful in a child's mind or in any of our minds but particularly in a child's mind because this is the age we're imprinting so get them to and if they're a writing child then they can write it and if they're not writing you can get them to sound it out for you and then you write down and then you put it on a post-it note on your fridge and say this is the word whenever we want to say an unpleasant word we're going to say this word instead and um and I promise you when I did it for Olivia, it worked so, so beautifully. And it's one of those things I need to get round to do with Harry because he's picked up some language recently. And um, and I need to get on. So this is, thank you, Jenny, you've inspired me. I need to get on and do this so that he stops saying this word so much. But you're absolutely right. It's for a reaction. It's for the shock factor. And the more they say it in public places and the more people are horrified, the more that they carry on with it because it's just such a delicious reaction from us as adults to um, to be shocked. And as you know, because you work with children for so long, once they see an intense reaction of you know frustration or anger from us, then it's something that they unconsciously have to test again and again to get that to get that language, um, to get that reaction again. 
if this is children in class, then it's really good to um, have this parent meeting, um, have the meeting with the parents and say, okay, this is what's happening. This is the approach um, and get them on board as well. So that the if we remove the taboo around um, our dislike of the word and really emphasize that if you need to say it, you can say it in here and you can say it as much as you want. In this in this space, but it's not to be said out uh, uh, outdoors or in other spaces in other people's houses. So that's one element. Get it out of their body and release the taboos. They know we're not going to freak out about it. And then the other part is to rewire that brain and give them, particularly four and five year olds, they're so interested in long words and gobbledygook words, supercalifragilistic, all of that, aren't they? They are so fascinated with language. So help them make up a really really silly or funny or even a rude sounding word something that sounds funny or rude or silly to them and that is going to help you re-imprint and put a new imprint about that um about that unpleasant word hello everyone who's joining and ivana put a comment as well when i said how's your week going and how are you Coping in parenting this week, how's it all going for you? And Ivana sent a great message saying, this week is intense, but I'm learning compassion when I lose my patience. Good. I'm glad to hear it. Compassion, compassion is what we need more of. It's um, super, super difficult to um, keep that patience um, and keep that self-compassion when we know that we've made a mistake, when we haven't been able to show up the best version of ourselves. But we're all human and it's okay. And if we shatter our child, we make amends. We show what... It's like to be a healthy adult who doesn't want to hurt anybody else. But we all make mistakes sometimes and we make amends and we ask what our children need and ask if they need like a really big hug and you explain, you know, I didn't manage that very well. Um, can we start again? Can we try again? You can explain what you wanted to say. You know, all of those things, just building that connection so our children know that it's safe to make, it's a really powerful lesson. One is that, when we make a mistake, we apologize and we make amends. But the second, even more powerful message, I think, is that we're letting them know that it's okay to make mistakes because we know how to make amends afterwards. It's really for our children to see us as human and that we have a healthy um, approach, a healthy attitude to making mistakes. That's really, really powerful. This is, again, all part of the social aspects of life, you know. They're seeing what it is, what it means to be human, you know, the good bits and the, the bad bits. And being sociable in a group and being in community means that we're going to hurt each other's feelings and we're going to upset each other sometimes. And we are going to... Um, we are going to mess up and we're going to, you know, get things wrong. But making amends is what really, um, is what really, really makes a difference. Anyway, I think that's everything for this evening. Thank you so much for joining me, everyone. And um, we have two more sessions to go in our six-part series on the Montessori sensitive periods. They are refinement of the senses and sensitivity to small objects. And I will... Um, post what should we do next week shall we do sensitivity to um refinement of the senses let's do that next week so that's really interesting because then we can talk about how we as parents as educators as caregivers can really enhance this period so our children can have that full multisensory experience that they so desperately need because that's part of their learning in the first six years of life let's talk about refinement of the senses next week um, as always, this will be uploaded to IGTV, YouTube, Spotify and iTunes. 
go to enrichingenvironments.com shop um, forward slash shop for um, my online courses, for my toddler knife, for meditations, for workshops, all of that good stuff. My book, The Montessori Mission, um, I have a new, oh, well, I have a published date. We are looking at the week commencing May the 9th, which is really, really exciting. And um, Jenny, thank you so much for joining. And uh, do keep in touch as ever. Everyone send me DMs when you would like a question answered. If you have any questions for InstaLive, please do send them through. And I will, um, once we've finished our Ramadan series, um, we'll be able to proceed with other general questions. Thank you so much for joining. Have a wonderful evening and a great week. And I will, when I see you some next week, it will be Eid. So Eid Mubarak to everyone who will be celebrating Eid this weekend. And I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Lots of love.